Hello McDoirish Football Fan TV! We are delighted to be back. Our first uh, video since Christmas 2022. And uh, I'm back with a bang with Gary. And we're here to talk about the highs and lows of the Irish uh, national team for 2022. And that includes the women and the under-21s as well as the men's national team. Gary, firstly, how was Christmas and how are you? I'm all good, Paul. Yeah, it was quiet. I was down in Limerick. It was good to spend time with family. And uh, yeah, it's uh, all good. Yeah, um, same as myself. I think it, it, the quieter the Christmas, the better, and just no drama. So I think that's the best way to do it, and then just kind of get it out of the way, and then look forward to the new year and everything that that brings. So um, I suppose we'll get straight into it. We'll go through the men's fixtures, and then obviously when we go through the fixtures there, then we can uh, we can come back and discuss. Uh, some of our favourite parts, some of our worst parts uh, of the year from that aspect and then we'll move on to the women then after that and then we'll speak briefly uh, about the 21s as well and their kind of journey too. So um, we'll just go back to the start of the year. So in March we had friendlies um, and we drew 2-2 with Belgium and with Chiodosio, uh, Benny and Alan Brown scoring for us in, those, in, that, sorry, in that game. Then we had obviously the late, late goal against Lithuania with Troy Parrott and then moving on to June and the start of the Nations League, we lost our first game away to Armenia and uh, Edward Spertian scoring for Armenia, which we were warned about by the lads over at uh, Football Kentron uh, in our uh, opposition preview. We were warned about them. And then we lost <clears throat> to a second string U Ukraine team with Siganikov uh, scoring that free kick that went uh, the whole way in and deceived Quivin Kelleher. So we remember that one, um, which was a bit of a low point. Then we bounced back on the Saturday against Scotland, beating them 3-0. Alan Brown uh, started the scoring um, from a corner. And then uh, Troy Parrott, obviously, with the lovely set-piece, um, or sorry, not set-piece, lovely cross by Obafemi, which he got on the, the end of and headed home. And then Obafemi with probably... The best goal I've seen scored at the uh, Aviva, but we can come back to that from your point of view. Uh, and then speaking of great goals as well, we went to play Ukraine in Poland. I believe you were at that game and Nathan Collins um, scored there. And that was yeah, one of the best goals I've seen for a while. And then we beat uh, Armenia then, um, I think that was in September. Uh, with uh, Egan Obafemi and then obviously the late Robbie Brady penalty with all the drama that that brought uh, from VAR benefiting us and then we lost to Scotland after going to goal up with John Egan away to Scotland and then ended the year with the friendlies then we lost 2-1 to Norway Alan Brown getting the goal for us there a nice daisy cutter very reminiscent of Matt Holland's goal against Cameroon in the World Cup 2002 for uh, those of you that remember uh, or are old enough to remember and then we have um, Malta, uh, the Malta game, and uh, we narrowly beat Malta 1-0. Uh, Callum Robinson with uh, pretty much a goal gifted to to him and the team. So, yeah, I suppose, Gary, just your your immediate thoughts, just kind of listening back to that. Is, is there any memories refreshed there for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a bit of a funny year, really, Paul. Maybe a holding year in that there was no qualification for a major tournament at stake um yeah it's a mixed bag very much a mixed bag some some lows i mean the the disappointment obviously the the one that really springs to mind is that defeat in yerevan that was um really depressing particularly when you see what the other countries did 
did to Armenia in our Nations League group. But there were some really impressive performances there as well, in particular bouncing back. I mean, having lost to Armenia, then lost to second string Ukraine, um, it was really looking like a bleak window. We bounced back with a bang and had a fantastic win over Scotland. And then that really impressive uh, performance in Woods, where we drew 1-1 and that great goal from Nathan Collins that you mentioned. Um, so I was actually in good spirits going into September. That that defeat in Scotland, particularly having been ahead at half time, was a, a real blow, I thought. We played we played really well in the first half and and didn't follow through. Armenia, whoa, the home game, even I suppose we got there in the end, but thrown away a two-goal lead. And November was a bit mad. I mean, I, I know they're only friendlies and it's hard to read too much into it, but uh, losing the Norway game, and they did look a better side. And then I suppose just, just about getting the win over Malta. I don't know how much Stephen can learn from those games anyway. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, next year obviously is absolutely crucial with qualification at stake for Germany. And unfortunately, the downside of having a finishing third in our Nations League group is that we got such a, a tough draw. We got a, a third seed and then we were desperately unlucky in the draw. I mean, if you look at it, we've got the, the World Cup finalists and the team that uh, basically brought Argentina to penalties. So it's going to be very, very, very tough to finish ahead of either the Dutch or the French. Yeah, um, it, it does kind of look bleak from that aspect. But if you look back on, I suppose, just the year itself, um, you know, there's been some some high points in comparison to probably years gone by, uh, just like the, the Scotland game. I, I don't know if that's maybe a freak result or, you know, we actually did play that well or Scotland didn't turn up on the day or was it a, a kind of false sense of reality, just the fact that we got to win against them, that everyone thought that we were going to go on then and, um, you know, really start winning games and looking like we were uh, going to be a force to reckon with and, and Stephen Kenny had kind of turned it around because I'm not sure what, what part of the year we lost Anthony Barry because then obviously he became a, a talking point because we played Belgium and stuff like that. Then we ended up losing him. I don't know if you want to include that in a, in a low point as well because I thought he was um, quite good and I thought we were uh, seeing the benefits of him. And then we obviously lost uh, him. Then we lost John Eustace. So we ended the year with no uh, no coach other than obviously Keith Andrews. And um, I think they need to get someone in soon enough. But... Um, I think the Scotland game for me would be the highest point. Um, I just remember coming away that day, just being so happy, like with the the goals that were scored and the quality of the goals that were scored, um, as well. And then because of the, I suppose, the two defeats, obviously Armenia, and then you had the Ukraine one as well, and they fell after we had a decent end to twenty twenty one, leading into twenty twenty two. And uh, people start feeling like, okay, you know, we ended the year with good results. Um, maybe we're starting to see the the corner being turned here, and then, boom, blew up in our face a little bit. Uh, I think we got a little bit too uh, ahead of ourselves after the the games um, against Pel uh, Belgium and uh, Lithuania, and I think then I think it came back to haunt us then when we went and played uh, away to Armenia, and we obviously know that we struggle against teams who play and sit um, because we just can't we. We're not that good at breaking teams down, so um, 
I suppose that week would it's it's it goes from literally the worst to the best in that week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, we we finished twenty twenty one on a high, and I think March was reasonably successful. I mean, a two all draw against Belgium was a it was an impressive performance. It was a very entertaining game for a friendly, and obviously a decent result. Um, Lithuania, I mean, how many goals had we chalked off? For offside, I was losing count. I think it was about three or four, and I think the fact that we got the last minute or whatever ninety seventh minute win or whatever it was um, certainly meant we kind of finished March on a high, and it was great for Troy as well to get that goal. But yeah, so then it was such a downer because it wasn't just the, the defeat by Armenia; it was the performance and everything. It was really just one of those bad days, and then we followed it up with another disappointing performance. But as you said, the Scotland game was definitely the highlight of the year from the men's perspective. It, it was our best performance. We blew them away. I, I wouldn't want to get too carried away with it because, I mean, uh, Scotland are are a decent enough side, but, I mean, it's not as if we beat one of the major European powers. I mean, uh, certainly, they're, they're nowhere near the standard of the the French or the Dutch who we're going to face in the in the qualifying for for the Euros. And uh, but we followed that up with a decent draw against Ukraine as well. That was a very good performance. Okay, we led at half time, and even when they came out in the second half and equalised straight away, we still played very well. It was a game we could have won, we could have lost but we definitely deserve the draw as well. So, again, I suppose we finished March. We finished 2021 on a high. We finished March on a high. We finished June on a high. And uh, I'm kind of feeling then things... Uh, okay, we started certainly September with that first half performance in Glasgow. That was very impressive. We were a goal up. But then, unfortunately, to, to throw it away was a bit disappointing. And... It's been a bit of a curious egg since then. Okay, it was good to beat Armenia and we needed to avoid relegation. At 2-2, we were looking at the disastrous scenario of another Armenia goal would have seen us relegated to League C. But, um, and I mean, it was still good to get the winner as well and actually win the match. Um, but uh, November, I, I see, I don't know how much you can learn from those friendlies. I, I don't. You don't want to get too carried away about wins or defeats um, and I know our next game now is going to be a friendly against Latvia but it, it really is about the competitive games and yeah for me 2022 the highlight from the men's side was definitely beating beating Scotland and for me the low light was that defeat in Yerevan at the start of June and if you were to pick like for me I'm torn between Obafemi's goal and Nathan Collins' goal. You know, if you were kind of picking a, a real highlight of the... I know the result was a highlight, but, you know, um, those two have to be up for, for, for um, goal of the year. But then you'd probably have to put Alan Brown's goal against uh, Norway in there, I would have to say as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, even uh, Troy Parrott's goal was well well worked as well against yeah, against Scotland yeah. and Lithuania, or, or Lithuania well. and Lithuania. Actually, that was a cracker to win it from outside the area. Um, 
Yeah, you put kind of put me on the spot for this one because uh, maybe I'll actually go with Nathan Collins because it came so out of the blue and for a, a centre half to do it and to make a run like that and, and what a finish. I mean, any striker would have been proud of that finish. So, um, but Obafemi, as you said, was one of the best goals ever seen in the Aviva. So, um, if you put me to the pin of my collar, I'll go with Nathan Collins. Well, that's fair enough. I'll I'll go with uh, Obafemi Screamer um, into the one one four section, and uh, it set everyone alight. It was brilliant, you know, just the fact that we actually saw one of our players just picking the ball up on the half turn and going, you know what? I'm just going to smash it, and he knew. He knew as soon yeah. as that ball left his foot that that was going to be, you know, an absolute worldy of a strike. Now, none of us in the stadium were expecting that because we're not used to seeing our players shoot from that distance so often. <laughs> and he obviously did get another nice one like that against Armenia. I think it was. Um, he got a similar enough goal, but he hit it along the ground this time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong if it wasn't Armenia, but I think it was. Um, <clears throat> which, which game was it when he received it on the half turn? And he buried a bottom corner. Very similar to the goal he scored against Scotland. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Armenia at home. Yeah. 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 But the yeah. one the one against Scotland for me is 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 the pick. But then again, it's actually nice for the first time in years to be able to look back and go, actually we have a collection of about five top goals that you you could argue any of them. You know, the Parrot goal against Lithuania. The Obafemi goal, the Collins goal, uh, Brown's daisy cutter against Norway was a nice goal as well, and um, yeah, I think after that you're, you're, you're you know the rest of them are fairly scrappy, but they're still Ogbeni's goal actually against uh, Belgium as well. Yeah, the overhead yeah. kick. So you've got yeah you've got five five pretty decent ones there, um, but I suppose. Uh, if you look back probably to last year, and I, I, I'm I pretty sure we did a highlight, uh, highs and lows of 2021, and if we were to look back on that, I wouldn't say it was as, as impressive, um, despite us still simmering in a, in a situation where do we stick with Stephen Kenny? I think a lot of people have actually lost faith in Stephen Kenny, um, more so this year than last year. I think the, the, the way in which the results kind of spiralled, you know, it was such a inconsistent, and he's always seems to be one game away from being sacked as well. So I think there's for for Ireland to really kick on, we need to win three, four games on the trot, and then you can kind of go right. Well, we're actually starting to see things um, change for the better now. I know that will be hard to do, obviously coming against the France and the Netherlands and stuff like that. But a few positive draws maybe against them. That yeah, I think uh, it's going to be very... Uh, look, it's going to be really, really difficult against them. I, I think Stephen still has the support of the match-going fans. I, I, I don't think he's ever lost that. It's going to be really difficult next year. I mean, France, they lost a World Cup final and penalties. Uh, the Dutch were got to the quarterfinals and lost to the eventual winners on penalties. Uh it's not inconceivable that the two of them could have met in the final. And uh, we've got to finish ahead of one of them. I think the key thing for me will be the performances. I I think if we were to finish in the top two in, in, in the group, it would, be, it would be an incredible achievement. But really what I'd like to see is that we would put in performances in the group. And I'd certainly expect us to finish ahead of the Greeks We'll obviously finish ahead of Gibraltar. But, I mean, 
we've got to be excited about France coming here in March. Uh, I suppose the good thing from the FEI perspective is you can see the season ticket sales. I think it's something like 21, 22,000 at this stage. You've got you've got some of the best players in the world coming here. Uh, Kylian Mbappe coming to Dublin. It's going to be some occasion and uh, obviously a full house. I know the tickets haven't even gone on sale yet, but it's absolutely guaranteed to be sold out. Uh, I think the performance is going to be crucial. I think any sort of a result would be fantastic, but it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, it's a real test when you're up against that quality. Um, just hoping the French played the Dutch a few days earlier and, uh, I don't know, maybe they take their eyes off our game a little bit or something like that. But it's it's a big ask, a big, big ask. Yeah. Um, I suppose, actually, because we're going to be talking about the women now, I think, you, as well as that, in terms of goals of the year, you've got to put Amber Barrett's goal up there as well. And we're going to be talking about that now shortly. But I suppose... We didn't even include that one in, in that, but that would be easily tied at number one with the two goals that we've um, spoken about there. Um, but let's talk about the, the women and obviously the impressive um, year they've had qualifying for the World Cup. So we'll go back to uh, the 16th of February. They played in the uh, Pinatar Cup against Poland, beat Poland 2-1, lost to Russia 1-0. I think there was a, a good few changes made in that game just to... Uh, give players a run um, beat Wales 1-0 then so all those games were played there was three games played there uh, over six days uh, then we had that impressive uh, World Cup qualifier against uh, Sweden and we drew 1-1 um, Katie McCabe I think scored that in that game um, a brilliant performance against a really good Sweden team then uh, we played a friendly against uh the Philippines beat them 1-0. We beat Georgia then um, 9-0 away from home. Um, obviously, they were kind of the whipping team of the uh, of the group. Everyone was beating them. I think we beat them 11-0 uh, in Dublin the year before. Um, then you have uh, 1-0 win over Finland, which was obviously massive. And then uh, a 1-0 away, uh, away win against Slovakia when the pressure was really on for that um, which obviously then got us the the, uh, the playoff against Scotland um, and then going away and beating Scotland with Amber Barrett's brilliant goal and, and the way we went out and the and the way we battled in that game to, to win was was massive and we were obviously both there for that game and it was huge and it was a, an amazing occasion and then the end of the year on a real high by beating Morocco 4-0 in a friendly on the 14th of November so I suppose uh, yeah let's uh, reminisce a little bit there so take me back to your favourite parts of, of that uh, of the year for the for the women Well where do you start Paul? I mean it was an absolutely I mean I was talking about the the pressure for the men and up against top teams I mean Sweden arguably the second best team in the world and to go to Gothenburg and, and to draw 1-1 and fully deserve the draw. I mean, it was a fantastic performance. Uh have to mention Courtney Brosnan in goal, who was absolutely superb. Somebody at the start of the year whose place was under threat and she's finished the year as, well, possibly one of the star players and what a run of clean sheet she's on. But, um, what a performance that was in Gothenburg and what an inspiration that could be to the men's side to actually go there. And, and then if you look at our competitive results, the, 
in theory, the worst result we had all year was that draw in Gothenburg because we won all the other competitive games. And uh, what a run to go on. Um, yeah, the win over Georgia was a bit facile and the friendly against the Philippines before that. Um, the games then coming into the autumn were absolutely crucial. Uh, Finland and Tala Stadium, uh, a sold-out crowd, cracking atmosphere, and uh, a brilliant win. Um, Lily Ag to, to come off uh, come off the bench and be the hero or the heroine. Um, that was a crucial like Shane Duffy, she was you, getting up for that header. Well, absolutely. And then, as you said, the crucial win in Senec, which we'd already earned the playoff, but to earn the playoff by and ensure that we, we only needed to play one playoff match. So that was a really tough, hard-fought game. And uh, it, it was a battling 1-0 win. And uh, I'm old enough to remember the likes of George Graham and 1-0 to the Arsenal. And it was certainly, uh, for Vera's side, very much a case of 1-0 to the Irish um, with a, a very, very solid uh, defensive performance. I mentioned Courtney Brosnan already, but um, the likes of uh, of Louise Quinn as well at the back. And uh, we were so solid defensively. And uh, then you said it, it, it. We've been unlucky, actually, to have the away draw in the, the playoff final. But uh, we went to Glasgow, went to Hamden Park, and uh, Scotland were highly fancied. They had players from the likes of Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, and we went there and we won with that Amber Barrett goal. But don't forget and, the penalty uh, as well, because they had a penalty the, earlier on. Yeah, the, so. the, penalty save, the penalty saved by Courtney Brosnan. Yeah, I mean, what can I say about her? She's had a, an unbelievable year. And uh, but Amber Barrett to get that late goal to to send us to Australia, and uh, what obviously the best year ever for women's football, and uh, one of the highlights for Irish football. I mean, it's not it's not often we've we've qualified for three men's World Cups. This will be a fourth men's men. Oh, sorry, a fourth World Cup at senior level. I know we've qualified for underage World Cups as well. But it was really special, a first Women's World Cup, a first major tournament for the Irish women. And uh, look, what a year. What an unbelievable year for Vera's side. And uh, I, I'm certainly looking forward to to 2023. And uh, what a draw we got in the World Cup as well. The opening match in Australia, not the opening match of the tournament, but the opening match for one of the hosts, and we're up against uh, the hosts Australia in Sydney, and uh, what an occasion that's going to be! Yeah, well, I just think it's um, it's it's huge for, I think, women in general. I think they're going to get a lot more, you know, women to games. There's going to be a lot more kids wanting to go and see the the team now. They'll be able to watch them on the TV. Um, you know, and there's plenty of Irish people already living over in Australia and New New Zealand that I'm sure will want to go and see and, and support the, the team. So I think this it, it could be a really big moment for the country as a whole in terms of maybe, 
even now starting to maybe get the government maybe more on board of start pumping more money into you know football facilities as a whole and then we start seeing the benefits from from everywhere and that's generally how it does it. if the national team starts doing well then all of a sudden we start seeing a change of you know things at the top where funding it does start coming and things do start to get better and we do start to improve and we do start to see you know a difference on the pitch now the the, the women that we have there at the moment they're trailblazers for women you know ahead of time now so everyone will be looking up to this group as as the first group that obviously did it there's huge players there like katie mccabe like denise o'sullivan like louise quinn courtney brosnan other players are starting to come through like jamie finn and stuff like she was brilliant in the um playoff final as well probably playing a position she's not not really you know that known for and she's done it really well stuck to her task with players there like megan campbell um, you know, Neve Fahey and all that, who who as well, don't forget, were going through that period of, of you know, couldn't even get their own track seats and stuff like that. Now they've qualified for the World Cup and um, they should be immensely proud and I know they are. And same with Vera. Um, and it's a it's a major breakthrough year. So this this is definitely the highlight of, of, of 2023. You can say whatever you want about the men's team winning a game and say, that's that the women's team have qualified for the World Cup and there's nothing to be sniffed at there. It's it's, it's an absolutely huge occasion. It was fantastic to be there and witness it live <clears throat> and see them all celebrate and see them all enjoying themselves. Maybe the celebrations were a little bit ruined by all the Sky Sports coverage and stuff like that of the um, Celtic Symphony song and all that type of stuff. But for me, it doesn't take away from it, anything from the achievement of what was what happened Um in my opinion, they're they're entitled to go and sing whatever they want and enjoy themselves after games. Argentina were able to do it when they won the World Cup, and no one came questioning them or fining them. But anyway, um, I just think it's a, it's a great uh, occasion now. It's something to look forward to next year. Um, a lot of fans now. If we, I'm sure we'll have friendlies and other things coming into the new year as well. That you know, new fans can kind of get on board. Maybe new. Uh, girls who are starting out playing football and they want to go and see the, the, the. I think we're kind of blessed in a way that we have a superstar like Katie McCabe there who's such a good ambassador as well you know I remember doing the press conference ahead of the Scotland game and the way she just handles the media and everything like that she's just brilliant you know she's just seems like um, just she's got such a good head on her shoulders um, she has about 70 siblings by the looks of things as well and even their siblings get interviewed and stuff like that um, but it's she, great. she's a she's a sister coming through that might it's already playing underage for us as well so we could have well, she got interviewed we yeah have, yeah we could have two McCabe's in the in the Irish team before well that'd be long. great you know but it's it's just great to see so, now as I said we have a superstar there so anytime Arsenal yeah. are playing on the TV I, I'll sit down and watch it because I know she'll be playing and uh, majority of the time, I I see her playing. She performs. And she's brilliant. And and again, it's it's you you go back to players who kind of make you really want to watch football. And, and you go back to like your Damien Duffs, your Robbie Keynes. For me, more so, you you'd have better players. I I'm sure from uh, the Italian nineties and Euro eighty eights and stuff like that. You got to see the likes of Liam Brady playing and stuff like that, which I'm very jealous of. But to, uh, like Damien Duff for me, excellent player. Robbie Keane. Uh, Shea Given and these types of players who were, who were players and they were world class players playing for Ireland at the time and we probably haven't seen a world class player for a number of years but we have a world class player playing for our women's team and I would argue that Denise O'Sullivan is, is right up there as well Yeah Denise is a class player and uh, 
you mentioned Senex, she got that crucial goal and, and has been a, a great stalwart for the side. Look, there's a lot of stars and it's uh, that, that women te- women's team have had fantastic support. Um, Tala Stadium has been a bit of a fortress, but I really hope there will be a friendly in the Aviva at some point next year before heading off to Australia. And just to give the, the fans a chance to, to say thank thank you and everything, appreciate Tala's the home and maybe get back to Tala for the qualifiers for the next Euros. But I'd love to see a big game in the Aviva sometime next April, May, whenever uh, the February window is probably going to come too soon. But to give the fans a chance to um, to give those players a great send off when they go to to Australia. And another thing I'd just like to mention is because uh, I've been following the tickets and trying to buy tickets for the World Cup, the hottest ticket for the World Cup next year, bar none, is being that Australia game. The final, uh, there's been a couple of sales and you can log in and the first ticket gone, you can't get the Australia game. You can buy any other ticket, you can buy the final. But um, that game in Sydney, I think they're already talking about moving it to a bigger stadium. It's in a 40,000 capacity stadium and uh, potentially it'll go to Stadium Australia. I did see some reports in the, in the, in so far only in the Australian press that it might be moved. And, uh, and even if they do, it's still going to be sold out. And uh, that's just a testament to how far women's football has come because, um, I mean, I, 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 I can remember, and it's not that long ago, when going to see the women's team in the likes of the Carlisle grounds, in front of a few hundred people, and uh, and I'm going back. That's possibly in the last ten years or so, and uh, certainly if it's, I, I, I'm struggling with baby a little bit with the year, but um, certainly would have been playing in the likes of Richmond Park, the Carlisle grounds. Um, gone around the country as well and really playing in front of um, fairly small crowds uh, and what a way we've come now to, to be playing in a World Cup so it's absolutely fantastic for women's football and as you said, the likes of Katie McCabe Denise O'Sullivan Louise Quinn um, Megan Connolly uh, Courtney Brosnan etc they're all um, Nia Fahey, Diane Caldwell etc they're all heroes, they're um, and, and they're going to inspire not just a lot of young girls but also young boys to play football and to dream of going to a World Cup as well Yeah I agree um, and that's you know as well like I know we're going to talk about the under-21s now like, um, like they came so close and it would have been a real shame for us to come so close to the World Cup and obviously there was the was it the Euros there where we came so close to that and then ultimately just kind of fell at the last hurdle and you could see how much it, it kind of broke the team. But I think ultimately they showed the resilience then to, to be able to go over to Hamden, get the win and um, back in Scotland's own backyard, you know, as well. We were up against it from the start because obviously they had that penalty early doors and if Courtney doesn't say that, um, you know, we could have been in real big trouble there. And we were thinking, you know, because the game plan would have went out the window because we were, ultimately, we were quite defensive. We were sat in. And then when we had our chance to to attack and get the goal, we did. We luckily 
Amber was was prolific when she came on. So um, because I don't think Heather Payne scores that chance. I think Heather Heather Payne will give you a lot more in terms of running all day long. But Amber's a better finisher in my opinion. Um, but yeah, what a goal and what a way to uh, to qualify. It was it was brilliant, and I kind of felt once we got the goal that um, we actually although the Scottish kind of put a lot on us, I never felt like we were really going to concede after we scored. And uh, I felt like we were really starting to kind of push them. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you did mention Amber Barrett. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry. You know, you, you mentioned Heather Payne, who um, was a regular starter and 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 gives so much to the team. She runs so hard, she works so hard, and she has scored some crucial goals as well. Uh, the re- the reality is, if maybe if Leanne Kiernan hadn't been injured. Um, Amber Barrett, who was in many ways the forgotten woman of that of that squad, she may not even have got a chance off the bench. But as you said, it was a phenomenal finish, and uh, she didn't get to to do too much in the campaign. But when she got her chance, boy, did she take it! And, and what a finish! Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I suppose we'll 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 move on now to uh, the twenty ones. I have their fixtures there, so um, they started off the year. Um, in March, we had a two nil win over Sweden away from home, a three nil win at home to Bosnia, a three one win at home against Montenegro, uh, a four one loss to Italy um, in June fourteenth, uh, and then it was the Israel um, penalty shootout, which unfortunately didn't go our way. I know you were at that game, and uh, we lost on penalty shootout. Evan Ferguson did get. Uh, a goal at home in Tallis Stadium to bring it back to one to one and we were probably unlucky in that game. I think of Aaron Connolly a few chances fell his way and maybe if he buries them we might be talking about uh Ireland being in uh in the competition. But ultimately it wasn't to be after a lot of promise and you know I think a lot of people were thinking that we could do it. We were a talented bunch there coming through but ultimately it wasn't to be. You were there. Um so yeah, uh, talk to me about the twenty ones. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a case of so so near yet so far. As you touched on, we actually came so close in the last campaign as well. And it was that game against Iceland in Tala when we unfortunately lost. I think had we won, we would have qualified for a first ever finals. Uh, we did so well in this, in this case to get to the playoffs. And... Uh, Look, Israel, another thing you touched on was the investment. And Israel have spent a lot of money. The government has pumped a lot of money into their football. And they've got a lot of good young players coming through, etc. They actually brought some players back from the senior squad to play in the second leg. And uh, look, when it goes to penalties, it's a total lottery. And, And effectively... I, I know there's practice of penalties and, and, and everything as well, but uh, effectively it comes down to more or less a flip of a coin. And unfortunately, it went the wrong way for us. It would have been so fantastic had Jim Crawford led us to a first ever uh, major finals at under 21 level. Um, it's Unfortunately, it's not to be. And uh, I think it would have been great for the players' development. I'm sure there's there's quite a few of the squad still eligible for the next campaign. I know there hasn't been a draw or anything yet, but I think that's going to happen early enough in the new year. And uh, look, I, I, I'm sure we're going to give it a right good go again. 
And uh, look, in in Tel Aviv, it was an absolute, it was a, a great performance. They played really well, defended ex- excellently to get the game to penalties. And, uh, well, just what can you say? It just, it just wasn't to be. And uh, it was gut-wrenching to actually lose it, uh, to come so close and, and to miss out. But uh, hopefully it'll stand to the players. And, uh, well, I, I don't think we're that far away from reaching a first-ever under-21 finals. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's, it isn't far away. And we're starting to produce more and more uh, good young players coming through. I think that's... That's shown in the League of Ireland and that's also shown by the players that are being bought out from the League of Ireland as well to be brought over. There's a lot more now than they used to be uh, being brought over and there's players doing well at um, at clubs as well. Like You look at uh, Joe Hodge and these types of players who are coming through now and actually playing and starting Premier League games now, which is great to see. Evan Ferguson as well, another player who's starting to get a bit of an opportunity with uh, Brighton. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you're, and, and obviously Bazunu and Collins and stuff like that. So it's been a while since we've had kind of our young players kind of coming coming in and, and doing well. And I'd say Bazunu is probably still eligible for the twenty ones as well. Uh, yeah, you look at Aaron Connolly; he obviously um, had broken in and came back down to play for the twenty ones as well uh, to try and get his career back on track. But I think um, I think it's a, it's an eye opener for the twenty ones. It's like, look, you can get this far, but now next time we we need to be literally be more clinical. And I think we could have we could have won that game in, in Tala, and that would have wrapped up the tie. I think, I, um, we played quite well in Tel Aviv, but we just couldn't we just couldn't score. And uh, unfortunately, if you don't score goals, as they say, you don't win games, and uh, that's ultimately what happened. But we, look, we had a lot of chances. Um, I think uh, Aaron Connolly had the pick of the chances, if I'm not mistaken, in Tala. And uh, had a really good game. Everybody seemed to be back talking about him and everyone thought that he was going to turn things around and stuff like that. It just hasn't been the case for him. Um, I don't know, what's, I don't know what, what's going on there with him. That, you know, he's probably looking like he's going to leave Venezia now. So, uh, yeah, that's disappointing for him. And then obviously the, the loss then, I think he got injured Um in that game in Tel Aviv as well then so he's kind of not been seen but yeah it's uh, overall if you're kind of looking at the year uh, for Irish football you'd have to say it was a good year just purely down to the fact that the women have qualified for a World Cup but if you take that out of the equation it's not been the best of years in terms of on the uh, pitch from a men's perspective just purely because the results are just so scattered. Like one one result can be good, and the next result can be kind of, you know, just very deceiving. And then you know, beating Malta one nil, not very convincingly. Beating um, Lithuania, not very convincingly. Even though we should be celebrating them as wins, they haven't been that uh, convincing. And I think that's what people are a little bit alarmed about. Yeah, I mean, overall, I think. It, it, it has been a very successful year, but I think mainly down to the women. I I was um, given the under twenty ones missed out on penalties. I, I don't think you can really be too critical. I think it's been uh, an excellent year for Jim Crawford's yeah, yeah. side, and they did they did go into that Italy game with a chance to, if I remember correctly, I, I suppose the win was never on. But if had they won the game, I think they would have qualified directly. 
uh, for the finals. Now appreciate going to Italy, beating Italy is a, even though we did it, we did that in the last ten years as well at under twenty one level. But um, yeah, it's, it's just that their, pool, their pool of players is is yeah, know. it's just a different level. Yeah, I know that was too big an ask, but it was some achievement to get the playoff to end up in a penalty shootout in the playoff. And as I said, it was a bit of a lottery. On the men's side, yeah, very much a mixed bag. And uh, we'll see what next year brings. Uh, ultimately, the Nations League was a disappointment. Uh, finishing third in our group. And uh, unfortunately, then we were... Um, well, we we put ourselves in a third seed for the draw and then needed a bit of luck. And certainly we got the worst possible luck because I don't think we could have got uh, a more difficult top seed and a more difficult second seed. So it it makes qualification or direct qualification very difficult next year for the Euros. Yeah, I think as well as that, we've had luck in the past with draws and stuff like that. Do you remember the... Who was the team in one of our groups? I think it was was Stephen Kenny, was our manager, and I think Northern Ireland got the group that we were meant to get in the end. It was the Germany, Netherlands, and a few others, and yeah. we got out of jail with that one, but we didn't do anything with it. So unfortunately, if you don't um, capitalize on when your luck is in, then don't be crying when you know it, it doesn't go your way. You have to you have to just take it as it is, you know. But I think overall, well. Yeah, we still ended up with a tough one. That was Mick McCarthy's draw, actually. But we yeah. ended up still with a tough enough one with the Danes and the Swiss. So, yeah, it was good to avoid the Germans and the Dutch, but it, it wasn't as if we ended up in a very easy group, as it turned out. Yeah, yeah, exactly so. Yeah, but I think, look, um, I think the for me, the highlight of... Uh, the highlight of the year is that Scotland game and that goal by Amber Barrett. And you could just keep watching it on loop over and over. But I do, I really do love that Obafemi goal just because of the pure confidence and the, the arrogance of the goal of, you know what, shackles are off here, I'm going to have a go. Smashed it. And I think we were sitting together watching the game um, for that one. And we were just like, what's just happened here? Because we were just so not used to it. And then... Because I know Troy got that one against Lithuania and stuff like that, and we were peppering the goal in that game. But th- this one, because of the 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 opposition that it was in Scotland, it was had that kind of local derby feel to it. And you were like, he hasn't just he hasn't tried that, has he? And then next minute, boom! And before anyone could blink, it was in the net, and everyone was blown away by this guy because of you know the assist for the Troy Parrott goal as well, which would you'd have to say that again would would be up there with the goals as well. I think you thought that goal was actually better uh, on the day. I think you said that as well. Yeah, it was a close one. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so there's, there's, there's lots of moments that have been good, but I think next year we really have to capitalise on, on getting better results. And I, I'm not talking about your Greece. Or, I Sorry, I am talking about your Greece. I'm not talking about your, your Holland or your France. It has to be like these Greece and Gibraltar and maybe, the, maybe a lucky win like Germany with Shane Long. Um, I I personally can't see it happening, but we did also play quite well against teams like Portugal and stuff like that last year, and showed that we could compete with them. Done okay against Serbia as well, um, who are re- two really good teams in my opinion as well. So if we could play like that against those side types of teams, then who knows? But we just need to start getting results on the board because ultimately it just doesn't look good for the manager. 
because as you say I think match day uh, going fans are happy with him but at the same time there's been a lot more people who work Kenny in who have turned Kenny out in, in the process definitely this year and I've noticed that in the comments of our, on our videos on our posts on social media and stuff like that people who are really really you know Kenny in they're like I'm starting to really lose faith in him so he for his sake he needs to start um picking up results because there's people like Lee Carsley being linked and stuff like that and um ultimately you don't want that type of talk you want to know that your manager is there you know you want to know that there's no distractions and you want to know that you're going to kick on from there but look someone who who whose job definitely um couldn't be safer right now is Vera Pau and she's going to lead that team to the World Cup which is fantastic and you know we don't even know what's going to happen with Jim Crawford will he sign a new contract uh, or what's going to go on there as well so we're going to have to wait on that one as well so there's a little bit of um things that need to be sorted out in the new year we have that game against Latvia, which will kick off our 2023 year. And in the process, there's going to be a lot of football off the basis of the World Cup. Yeah. And, uh, well, here's to next year. And who knows, maybe we can qualify directly for the Euros in Germany. Certainly would give a fantastic boost to men's football. if we, And we can see the boost it's got to women's football by qualifying for the World Cup. So... Um, hopefully 2023 you'll see us qualify for the Euros oh with a bit of luck um, yeah I suppose we'll leave it there let us know your highest point of the year your lowest point of the year in the comments don't forget to like the video don't forget to subscribe as well and we'll have this out on podcast as well so if you're listening you may be listening on audio as it is uh, don't forget to follow